Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. It's Drive-by Cinema, Series 13, Episode... Series 3, Episode 14. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that sometimes. Series 3. Episode. Yes, hello, Paul. Hello, hello, My Richard. co-host, Paul. As ever. Me, Rick. Or Richard, as Paul calls me. It's very formal, aren't you, Paul? Now, listen. I've got to... I've got to... Go back a few episodes, a couple of episodes, to the film It Follows. Okay. Remember? Paul? Film yes. where the girl has sex with a guy and then people start following her. I believe it's possible we may have missed the point of It Follows. Oh, go on. What was the point? Possibly. Well, I've heard and also read, because it's a popular theory on Google on on the internet in general. Yeah. That It Follows is really about sexual abuse. Is that, it the Scottish one? No, no, no. No, it's the one we saw only a couple of weeks ago. It's American. The, the girl has sex with a guy, her boyfriend. Yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. We said it might be an STI, STD kind of related thing, but yeah. I've heard that it might be really an allegory for s- sexual abuse, right? Uh-huh. Um, in the way, you know, abuse, uh, abused become abusers sometimes. I, I was going to say quite often, but we don't really know that, do we? I think that's an unsafe, a non-sceptical sort of pop psychology opinion. But... I can see what they're saying. I'm not entirely convinced because of what I read about the development of the of the movie, which I mentioned in the podcast. Which it was, I think, the director had this idea of, of people following you inexorably, and then kind of developed it during mid mid film to include other ideas. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about mid film, but then he added in the sexual transmission element to it. Yes, and but like STIs. The thing about uh, sexual abuse is it doesn't, like, get passed on. It doesn't leave you once you've had sex, does it? Yeah, so I think it's valid in that sense, isn't it? And also, yeah, after, you know, uh, you, you tend to... Victimisation tends to kind of perpetuate your engagement in relationships that echo the original abuse, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, there's certainly that, isn't there? I mean, there's certainly a lot of play about... Uh, play is the wrong word, but, you know, um, a lot of dialogue about the idea of consent in the film, isn't there? You know, the fact that in order to pass this on, you're kind of going to have to have sex with somebody under false pretenses. Yeah. And in the case of that guy, obviously he he then tried to make it stick by telling her about it. You know, in a quite in quite an abusive, non-consensual way. Um, I think, though, it's also to do with the shame that attaches to victims of sexual abuse. It, uh-huh. People, I think, if it speaks to people in this sense, it, it it speaks to people who might feel this, and they may see, you know, a, a shadow of the shame that might might attach to the victims. 
in that sense, maybe it, it is mm. allegorical for, yeah. for that reason. But we missed it, Paul, and so... I think we said that it wasn't about sexual transmission. I think we said that the vector of transmission mm. didn't work for STDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think some of the same criticisms do apply. Um, but, you know, it's postmodern. Maybe there are meanings in here that the original author didn't, didn't necessarily intend. And if people see those, who are we to argue? Especially if people, you know, if it's a common experience for people who are survivors of uh, sexual abuse situations, they may see um, those situations. It's very, it's just very serious, isn't it, though, suddenly? <laughs> Paul, do you have any corrections? <laughs> no, I don't know how to follow that, really. Can we just observe a moment <laughs> silence, please? I do have another correction or omission, but I think you'll have to wait. It, first of oh, all, it pertains, don't to things said. it pertains to things said many episodes ago. Oh, go on. Oh, well, okay. It's, it's also sexual related. Though. Oh, heck. This is when I go for topic. Many episodes ago, yeah. you... Oh, goaded me. You goaded me oh, into saying, "What?" No, go on. <laughs> you see, you're anticipating. You goaded me into saying that dolphins are rapists. It's yeah, a, well, only humorously. Only humorously. Well, I have read a fact check article about this, which basically Whoa. says that dolphins are not rapists. But and, and look, well, well mm, let's just on. say let, let's just say that it is true that it's clearly wrong. To impose, to anthropomorphize yes. any animals, including dolphins, by imposing human ideas on of their morality sexual mating. and sexual on their reproductive practices. Mating. Absolutely. Ritual, yeah. The reason people do it is, you know, obviously we consider dolphins to be quite intelligent. And be able to make moral choices, yeah. Yeah. So it's a grey area, perhaps, perhaps. But strictly speaking, obviously dolphins don't have our laws, so maybe. Rape is not meaningful in that sense. Just can no. we empathise with a female dolphin? That's the question, isn't it? Though. <laughs> <laughs> and does the female dolphin see it in the way that we see it? So I found this rebuttal of this whole thing. Yeah. On a site called Politifact, which I have to start wondering about uh, anyway. It, it, you know, the long and short of it is, is it's blowing open the myth that dolphins are rapists. But the way it does it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know whether you will feel the same if I perhaps... I always feel uncomfortable, out. but go on. Am I going to feel extra uncomfortable about this? Read it out. Hit us with it, Richard. Well, they go to a series of points. One of them is that female dolphins are strong as hell. Right. So they're basically saying that they could avoid it if they wanted to. Oh, wait a minute. That's, 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 that's a dodgy <laughs> argument. They also say that female dolphins kind of, they seek out multiple males. Like, they want to have multiple males impregnate them or whatever, or attempt to fertilise them. Right. So, the idea that, that observing the dolphins, you might think they're being gang raped. Um, you know... But it all smacks of she's asking for it, doesn't it? That's it does it. rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also say that if she wanted to say no, she could do kind of thing. Yeah, they say it, she could go to the surface and turn over on her back. Apparently, that would make it impossible. I don't know how or why. Apparently, that would make it impossible for the 
male dolphins to, to bite her. Yeah, obviously. No, it wouldn't. Would it? <laughs> also, you know, like a lot of situations, a lot of this is coercive, right? I mean, if female dolphins have always grown up in a society where they're expected to behave in a particular way, mm. they wouldn't feel enabled to refuse, would they? I mean, there are plenty of human situations where that, that obtains, isn't it? Aren't they? Oh, sure. Um, and people speak of freezing or just not being able to, you know, to act in their own best interest in those kind of pressure situations. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, on the one hand, look, I accept you can't really use the word rape for the animal kingdom, maybe. On the other hand, if PolitiFact turned out to be some kind of conservative right-wing thing making a rape apology type position, then <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me either. It wasn't a private blog, it's actually a website. It's called PolitiFact, yeah. Interesting. I'll have to investigate what the funding and stuff for that is later. It does seem to have uh, Trump on the front, but maybe they're fact-checking Trump. Uh, who knows? Oh, it's the uh, it's I was the about mid-terms. to say, uh, let's not mention that, but we've, we've said the dirty word. Yeah, we jinxed it, haven't we? Yeah. It is the midterms. Okay. And so you know, by the time mm. you're listening to this, we will know whether... Well, Trump we'll, is on the resurgence. Well, we'll know the Republicans have taken control of one or maybe two houses. I mean, they is that what we were expecting? Well, almost definitely they're going to take control of the representatives. Um, oh, my gosh. But, I mean, they've already got the Supreme Court, and they're already busy overturning all of the freedoms and liberties that have been hard won over. Sure. Yeah. And the Democrats have fought on, you know, on abortion ticket. Uh, they spent over two hundred fifty million dollars on TV adverts to that to that effect. But their strategists have said we miscalculated how concerned people are about the economy. You see, so you know the Democrat strategists have kind of said, look, we we kind of know we've lost it. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's definitely going to be a Republican victory of some sort. I think that's almost without doubt. But politics, of course, a long time. You know, day in politics is a long time. Uh, but by and large, it's going to be a Republican victory, I think, if, to some degree. Whether it's going to be a Trump comeback, I think, is another matter. I, I don't see it. I don't, how can he come back? I mean, well, obviously he's going to try to, but. Well, he's going to come back because, you know, it, I mean, he's just going to, he's going to run for president, isn't he? And the Republicans will find it irresistible. A bit like putting Boris Johnson, you know, on the bill. They'll find it irresistible to put him back in the, the hot seat. Oh, what dire straits room. It doesn't bear thinking about, does it, the next couple of years? In fact, I mean, it's almost impossible to think about. But there we go. Anyway, enough of that horror. On to some more. On to some more More horror. It's music time. Halloween horror hangover, Paul. We're continuing with the horror theme. Yeah, we've been on horror for quite some time now. It looks like, well, I, horror last week with the May West, but of a different kind. Yes, so horror. Richard, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, but it's um, it's also sex-related. So It is. It's very yeah. apropos, this this particular podcast, which seems to be sex-obsessed so far. This and is Squiffy-eyed called... and drooly-tongued with sex, yes. And the name of the film is... 
It's, it, it's X. X, exactly. Not 10. Uh, last last week's movie was all about a set of six. This is all about a set of sex. <laughs> um, so named, presumably, because that's the film board licensing thing that they used to give to mucky movies back before they invented whatever it is nowadays. 18 or R or whatever it is. Needed. Is it 18 R or something? I don't know what it's called. R18, that's a UK classification. Is it? And that's that's the kind of thing you can only get in licensed sex shops, apparently. Wow. I think it it might show erections. That's why it's R18. No longer, not since the interwebs. But back in the day, back in the day, I think X in the UK meant unclassified, didn't it? I don't. I think it meant they hadn't submitted it. Well, it was there for a reason, wasn't it? Okay. If you if you didn't want to go through the, the the pain and the time and the cost of a classification, you could self submit. You could you know you know self sex tax report your film as being X, i.e. not classified, and as such, uh, you couldn't show it in certain. Cinemas, but you could release it generally with the proviso that you know only adults could watch it. I think was the idea. So it kind of freed up you know people to make movies uh, of either a, you know a horrific or a sexual nature that uh, that didn't need to go before the board of censors. And of course, if you wanted to market something as being extra sexy, it would be double X or triple X. Yeah, what's all that about? Was that just nonsense? <laughs> That's just marketing, isn't it? Oh, okay. it's like it's like putting quantum on dishwasher tablets, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but this movie that we're watching is about the film industry, the porno industry in 1979, and the era that we're talking about here, and where we're describing these licensing regulations, is an era long before the internet. And as you described, the only way of seeing porno really, was to go to a sex cinema, which is a fairly extraordinary thing. I think, do they still exist? Peep holes, you know, I guess you used to call them, yeah, peep, peep shows or something like well, that. Well, in the US, they've got these things called adult bookshops, right, where you go, right. so I hear, I've never been to one, but they're like an adult shop with pornography and stuff in the front, but they've got these booths at the back where you go right. in. And they're coin-operated or something? I That's strange. You sit down. I think there are glory holes. It's all it's all quite, you know, <laughs> freewheeling. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in the UK, in Soho, particularly in London, but presumably in all cities, they used to have these adult cinemas, didn't they? That's right, yeah. yeah. And presumably you would have to join them as a member or something, I would imagine. Again, I've never been to one. But I presume you can't just buy a ticket and go in. Presumably, you have to pretend it's a private club so they can show these unlicensed films. Unlicensed movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, people were going there. Uh, at, I suppose mostly men, but occasionally adventurous women. And it was sort of like an inner city dogging thing, I suppose, wasn't it? There was a lot of sexual liaison happening in the the darkened cinema, whilst some or no attention was being paid to whatever. Whatever porno movie was being shown. Oh, was that what it's all about? All right. Well, so I hear. Yeah. Again, I, I genuinely have never, never experienced it. 
And it sounds not entirely inviting, right? <laughs> just not to judge, not to kink shame. Uh, it just feels a little... I mean, even no. a normal cinema feels slightly dirty, you know, at the best of times. And they used to be called flea pits, right? Didn't they? Well, it's, it, no, it's just the fact that things are being done under pretext and that kind of thing. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a covert nature of it that just kind of makes it feel seedy, doesn't it? You know? As opposed to the activity that's going on there. But it's it's amazing how difficult it must have been to have seen pornography and the lengths people went to. And I mean, imagine the revolution. I mean, 1979, I think, is before VHS was popular, certainly. But imagine the revolution that occurred when people could get home, you know, movies at home. Sure, and watch it privately, yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, there's something which I guess doesn't exist anymore, which was the porno mag, you know... The printed magazine with naked pictures in. Oh, what did what, what you call them? Something rags, something mags. Uh, m- mucky books, no. Mucky books, uh, girl, girly mags or something. Girly mags, them. yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, there were two types, weren't there? There were types that you had to go into specialist bookshops for. More and, explicit, and I guess. sex shops, which were explicit. And then there were things you got on the top shelf at W.H. Smith's. <laughs> and also in the middle of newspapers, I seem to remember. Playboy and, uh, you know, what's, what's the other one? Penthouse. <laughs> so, this movie then is all about people making porno movies. At the start, though, uh-huh. we see a farmhouse somewhere in the US. Three 70s vintage cop cars arrive. And yes. they're walking around. There's a dead body, bloody, under a bloody sheet. An axe on the porch. Another body just inside the doorway. And all this is the denouement of what we're about to watch, basically. It's foreshadowing of the rest of the story, yep. They go down to the cellar. The cops look shocked and surprised at what they're seeing. I don't think we see it, do we, at the time? No. no And then we get the caption 24 hours earlier. And we're seeing the dressing room of a strip club where one of the strippers is snorting a line of coke a cowboy hat wearing guy comes in and kisses her. Now, uh, the guys in the, the guy stars in the movie, I, you could differentiate mainly because uh, one was kind of like a, a college, college kind of kid. The other guy was black, and the other guy was wearing a Stetson or some sort of cowboy hat. Yeah, so they were easily distinguishable. The two sort of main females, I couldn't really tell apart apart from one had freckles, and that was it. Yeah. The- Freckle one, the girl taking the coke is Maxine. Played oh, by that's Maxine, Garth. okay. Right. And the other one, the other one is... Bobby Lynn? Bobby Lynn, that's right. And there's the sound girl, who's... Lorraine. The, Lorraine. She's with the camera guy, the director. The director who's a boyfriend from college. His name is RJ. RJ, you got it. So they're all leaving this dockside strip joint in a van... Yeah. Painted on the side the words ploughing service. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's gonna be full of gags. It wasn't full of gags, this movie, okay. Uh it you know, it doesn't Oh did I mean, this I'll, give you a false start, a false dawn. Yeah, I was thinking it's gonna you know be sm- like a carry on film. <laughs> like smutty and humorous like a lot of seventies movies were, you know, like of those of that kind. Where they've always got that ridiculous backstory and you know the silly gags and the silly jokes and the, and the terrible dialogue, uh, but no, it's kind of like you know the kind of magical mystery bus, isn't it, from, from Scooby Doo? Uh, basically, the kind of 
people carrier of the late 70s that young people used to bomb around him. On the way there, they're reading, practicing from the script for this film, yes. which is going to be called The Farmer's Daughters. <laughs> the Farmer's Daughters, yeah. Wow. And we learn that uh, the director, cameraman guy, RJ, he's got pretensions. He wants to make he has. an artistic porn movie. He he's mentioned some big some big wigs in film or I don't literature, I don't know who he was talking about. Uh, not Bergman, not people like that, but somebody anyway. And not See, Fellini. The, but. You know, these days where porn is consumed in, you know, five minute clips on Pornhub, presumably. Uh you know, the the idea of watching a full kind of ninety minute porno film yeah. with the semblance of a story, you know, dialogue in between scenes and stuff, but it must seem alien to some people, right? It must seem like why bother? Kind of just gets re you know fast forwarded to on VHS, doesn't it? Presumably. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing people still have their favourite porn stars, don't they? Or at least some people. Oh sure, sure. Um, but I think but do they want to that... see them? Do they want to see them trying to act badly? No, in no stilted interstitial dialogue sequences. I don't know. Here's the thing, right? With their eyes rummy with Viagra, probably not. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Make your eyes run. Um, here's the thing. Well, whatever you know, whatever whatever they take, poppers or Viagra or you know relaxants or or whatever people take to get through the shoot, you know, it's gonna. <laughs> I mean, it can't it can't make your brain is it, 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 it is uh, smartest or sharpest, can it? Look, I mean, it is true. I think that it, you can have a very erotic experience in a story that builds up, you know, the personalities of characters who then might have sex. It's probably more erotic in some senses if you're willing to devote the time and energy to absorbing that story. You know, With, I think most people are more goal directed when they're looking. Sure, at porn. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think pornography and erotic art are quite different. Aren't different, they? but they are. Different, RJ yeah. seems to want to be going for, 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 for the finer of the two, so to speak. So, yeah, he's trying to square that circle, isn't he? Yeah. As it were. <laughs> Why does everything sound uh, like an innuendo? It's like. It's like Mae West is with us. <laughs> anyway, along the way, they stop for gas at a bracing 65 cent per gallon. Yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> now, in any normal horror film at this point, the gas station attendant would come out and give them some kind of warning. With tumble, tumbleweed and, the, you know, the tinkle of the bell. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're going up, oh, you're going up to the farmhouse, are you? Oh, well, <laughs> I won't be heading that way myself, etc. This doesn't happen, telling you that this is a more sophisticated horror film by A24. A24, yeah. One of our favourite horror studios. They do things differently. And they made this very cheap. One million was the budget. It's already brought back 15. So, in relative terms, a hit. Now, Wayne is the porn producer guy in the hat, in the Stetson. And I think... Maxine is his girlfriend, maybe? Maxine Minx is his girlfriend, yeah. She has no eyebrows. They kind of enjoy a codependency that may or may not involve him not pimping her, but sort of managing her, her topless sort of exotic dancing yeah. shows. This film is actually pretty sex positive, isn't it? The women are not depicted as exploited so much. I mean, I mean, she's but, a stripper and she is starring in a porno movie. 
Um, but there's a discussion that she has with Bobby Lynn halfway through the film about you know the nature of being a porn star, and it's just, it's really a positive depiction for them, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how accurate it is. It might just be kind of glossing over the realities. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a fictional story. But it's not down on the idea of making porno, is it? Other than the fact that they almost all end up dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is. I, I mean, there's there's, there's a horror movie vengeance going on here for, for who they are, definitely. Yeah. yeah, there's moral retribution for their... They're loose morals, I suppose. Lorraine, sure. the sound girl, she's not really into it, is she, at the start? No, she's so, no. She doesn't want to be doing a dirty movie. She's green-fingered, definitely. Yeah, her yeah. boyfriend is there doing it with these pretensions of making an artistic bluey. There's, there's a moment where they do a shoot, don't they, as they're arriving, as they're leaving the petrol station, they get some... They do a quick. He does a quick sort of. Uh, I don't know what he tries to do. Oh, somebody filling up the petrol. That's know. right. Yeah, the the black guy who's the star. Yes. Uh, they show him filling the the van with gasoline. And RJ's like, "I'm going to make it artistic." And then I think it's Bobby Lynn comes in and says, "You know, just shoot it from below." And it looks like he's using his dick to fill it up. Kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, it's obvious she knows how to shoot one of these. <laughs> Now, there's a strange moment where they pass a road traffic accident and there's a cow that's been hit. And there's blood and guts all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like That's just a weird bit of foreshadowing. It doesn't have any other impact on the plot at all. It just seems oddly significant, doesn't it? They arrive at the farmstead and Wayne, in his hat, gets out, tries to do business with the owner. <laughs> um, Howard. Initially, holds him at gunpoint. He's an old guy, really old guy. It's like what, how Woody Harrelson would look if he was playing this kind of guy but was a lot older. Well, Wayne manages to smooth it over, doesn't he? Uh, but as he's doing this business, Max is looking up at the farmhouse and she sees a face watching from the upper story window. <laughs> this, is, this is classic creepy horror movie trope, isn't it? They may have averted the one at the gas station, but face at the window is definitely one of them. Well, the old guy leads them away from the main house to a boarding house. Um, and he stops to cough, which is usually a sign he's going to die, isn't it, in the film? I think we've mentioned this before. But he has a movie cough and then catches his breath. Um, I think they're just trying to say that he's really old. Uh, and Wayne, you know, says that they want a bit of discretion. And uh, yeah, oh, and he lets he lets loose uh, the fact that uh, in fact the gun that he pointed to their head wasn't actually loaded. He just does it all the time, kind of thing. And things seem to be settled after uh, after Wayne throws him an extra fifty dollars or so, I think. But um, now the black guy Jackson, he's a Vietnam vet, isn't he? He I is, yes, yeah. So they see they film they film the first sex scene which is him and Bobby Lynn. Um, And, you know, one thing about this film is it's not very realistic, I don't think, because we're talking about 1979 here. They're filming on film, you know, like celluloid. Yeah. Emulsion and stuff. They're in a very gloomy, like, boarding house thing, which doesn't have big windows or anything. There's no lighting. They don't have lights. Uh, So you wouldn't... You wouldn't see very much, I don't think, on your average bit of film, would you? You wouldn't see anything, no. no. be very grainy at best. Uh, artistic, maybe. 
But yeah, that's, so it doesn't totally nail the whole sort of film set at a sort of. Yeah, I mean, you could do it these days on a on a handicap, I'm sure. But in 1979, I think you'd need some lights. Oh, definitely. And then Max goes. This is weird as well. This isn't very 1970s. She goes outside in her dungarees yeah. with with side boob showing uh, to have a smoke, right? But in 1970s, you just smoke inside, wouldn't you? Yeah. Obviously. Why? Why? Why she gone outside? That is weird, isn't it? To maybe possibly written by people who weren't alive in the 1970s. But she, <laughs> I mean, narratively, she goes outside because she finds a pond, a lake with a small... She goes jetty. for a swim. She dangles her feet. And but, there's a living metaphor happening all in the middle of it. An, uh, an alligator, not a crocodile, an alligator. A gator, yeah. Mm. An, old, the, an old woman appears behind her in the trees. Max comes out, strips off and jumps in, with a cigarette on. <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah, there's this gator in the water, as you say. Yeah, and there's an aerial shot of that gator chasing as Max. Is it Max trying to climb out of the, the water? Yeah, it looks a bit fake, doesn't it? In that aerial shot, it wasn't very. It does. Yeah. By um, head's breath, head's breath, she just escapes its jaws. That's it. thrilling. It's a high tension moment. Yes, a simmering tension that's just left there on. On the hob. Now, at some point, one of them heads towards the main building, the main farmhouse. Is it now? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, because as Max is returning to the boarding house, yeah, the old lady, old lady yeah. is gesturing towards her. Come, so come she dies <laughs> She goes into the main farmhouse. There's a hot skillet on. The old lady offers her lemonade. That's right, yeah. It's uh, The whole thing is got an incredibly creepy vibe going on, doesn't it? Yes. So and then it, the old lady talks about how young Maxine is and how, you know, she's jealous of her youth. And then, quite shockingly, she makes an unashamed pass at Maxine. But And also, the thing about both this scene and the previous scene with the gator... Is there's a lot of flip-flop intercutting going on between two scenes, yeah. between the porno movie being filmed and what the action we're watching with Maxine and outside and stuff. So with the gator, I think they were having... I think they were inside and Bobby Lynn was showing off how she fakes an orgasm. And now, um, in the lemonade in the farmhouse scene, it's intercut with a sort of identical scene where... Jackson turns up and the farmer's daughter is offering him a lemonade or something. Ah, um, I missed that completely. It's quite clever. Nice. So Max is freaked out by this old lady making a pass. She drinks the lemonade down in one, makes her excuses and leaves. And sure, I mean, to add to the creepiness, she's like the old lady's kind of dressed in some sort of grotty old night shawl. You know, some flimsy kind of nightdress, and your know, hair's all bedraggled and straggly. So, so it is, and you know, obviously she's got you know uh, parchment paper skin that old old ladies have, like wrinkled. And the old lady, she strokes Max's side boob in her dungarees. She and says, "It's yeah. our secret." <laughs> Max is alarmed is and dashes back to the boarding house. So, freaked out, Max does another line of coke, because that always helps, doesn't it? I imagine uh, so, yeah, yeah. 
Then they go to the cow shed for another scene, in which Max is the milkmaid. Um, we see the old man noticing the two lemonade glasses in the farmhouse kitchen. And that tips him off that she, that his wife has been inviting people into the uh, kitchen. He doesn't seem too pleased about it. And we're then in the cow shed and we get some more innuendo stuff. You know, I could give you a ride kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the old crone is like brushing her hair, isn't she, in the uh, in the farmhouse. Yeah. Uh, and not a lot happens until somebody stands on a pitchfork. <laughs> that's that's like the last, next thing I remember about this movie. Is There's a few, you know, sort of... Uh, Semi-realistic scenes of shooting porn, and then, and then they do as I don't know. Go on, sorry, Rich. We well, we do see the old couple. The old man goes up to the the old woman who's brushing her hair, and you know, it's oh, obvious. she tries to get it on with her with her with her daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he says he can't anymore because his heart will will give out. So she's obviously sexually frustrated, and um, you know he presumably feels bad about it. So this is when night night time comes and we get them kind of hanging out, drinking, shooting the breeze uh, back in their boarding house. Is that right, yeah? Like the whole crew is like chatting, yeah. discussing yeah. stuff. They're just, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're saying that Lorraine, the sound girl who is really with the director, RJ, has been looking at Jackson. Uh, in- <laughs> and... Uh, so they're goading her, really, aren't they? Yeah. In, in, obviously, in, in a 70s way that wouldn't... I mean, we probably disapprove of what they're doing these days. But I don't. I think, you know, it, at the time... It's like workplace bullying, isn't it, really? It would have been just a bit of joshing, yeah. Okay, she's obviously sexually naive, uh, the, considering her to be a prude, compared to what they do as a job, you know. And they kind of put it under pressure and uh, for that. And so... Uh, Obviously, I think the idea is that that forces a dynamic in her mind to to prove them wrong at some later point. Yeah, that's right. Well, she announces, doesn't she? She says she wants to do a scene in the movie. She does. And RJ, her, her boyfriend, is dead set against it. Yes. Wayne goes out and talks with her, and and he's saying to him, you know, Lorraine's not like the others in there. She's nice. Oh, is it, there's a good line here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, Which is obviously not, not a nice thing to say about Wayne's uh, girlfriend, is it? It's implying that she's not a nice girl. There was a standout line. He said, I, let me tell you something, RJ. None of these girls are nice, kind of thing. Okay. Yes, he does say that. It's, it's outright misogyny, isn't it, I suppose? It is, yeah. yeah. And we're seeing Sorry. now Lorraine getting prepped by the other girls, like in their porn star harem kind of, kind of way, aren't we? And RJ has to film her with Jackson, which clearly is tearing him up a bit. And afterwards, we see RJ uh, <laughs> doing the shower shame scene that you get in so many movies, where he's, he's in the shower crying to himself, isn't he? That He's watched his girlfriend do that. So he's had enough, basically, hasn't he? He decides he's going to up sticks and get out of there. He's going to just hoof it and leave them to their own devices. Well, he had a shower with the shower curtain outside the bathtub. So he wasn't thinking straight, was he? What's the, <laughs> what is the point of that? Yeah, he, he grabs the keys to the van and decides to get the fuck out of there. But as he's driving in the middle of the night, in the van, their only van, 
the old lady is standing in the exit road. And so he he hops out of the van to try and deal with her. And guess what she tries to do? She tries to get off with him. She tries to kiss him. <laughs> She's nympho. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, he rebuffs her. So she stabs him in the neck with a large <laughs> knife that she brought. With Somewhat him. unexpectedly, I have to say. I wasn't then, really seeing that coming, to be honest with you. And then he ends up lying on the floor. She straddles him, quite sexually, and then stabs him over and over and over in a heightened state of sexual reverie, I might describe it as, yes, in a courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's quite a shocking scene, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of you don't like, see it coming at all. Like You think she's going to be creepy, but you don't expect it to turn into a she-devil. Anyway, there we go. Lorraine, meanwhile, was woken up, empty bed, looks for RJ, enlists Wayne to help her. She meets the old guy wandering around and asks about his wife. Um, Wayne steps on a nail in the cow shed. I think that's the moment you're referring to, isn't it? He does, and then immediately or later is he's killed by Pearl, the old lady with a pitchfork. Is that right? That immediately after that, that he looks through slots in a barn, he sees movement beyond, and the prongs of a pitchfork come through straight through his eye. But just going back to the nail, which becomes irrelevant very quickly, obviously. The jeopardy is low here, isn't it? Let's yeah. let's face it. But why would you walk around a farmyard with no shoes on? <laughs> I don't know. People walk around the beach here with no flip flops on. Oh my goodness. And, you know, the driftwood that comes up is quite often, I don't know, from whatever container vessel down the road in Liverpool, is quite often, you know, sort of pallets, broken bits of pallets with huge six-inch nails standing out. And it's strewn across the beach, you know. Now, of course, when it's strewn... In amongst when the it, sewage. Well, when, it's, when it arrives, you can see it on top. But after a few days sand blowing, you know, oh, the okay. nails stick up, but the... the, uh, the uh, the pallet, the pallet wood doesn't, you see. So, so it's like yeah, anti-personnel mine. <laughs> it is, you know. If you hate children, or you hate, if you hate uh, uh, rotund holiday goers, just come down the beach and have a laugh, you know, as they walk around. This with podcast them. is sponsored by the Blackpool Tourist Board. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so you, you say why do people do that? Well, they do. You know, there we go. So I didn't I find that particularly unrealistic. You know, late at night people do that. They walk around barefoot when they shouldn't do. Well, he ends up with a prong in his eye. So, think on. He uh, he gets buried under the straw by the old woman. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, Lorraine has found herself in the farmhouse. She's sent to the cellar by the old man to get a torch. I think that was a pretext that they used. But as soon as she's down there, he locks her in. And what does she discover? I thought she discovered RJ's body. That somehow I thought it was RJ. The old biddy had managed to like quickly relocate him down in the basement. Think it's not that. RJ though, is it? It must be somebody it, else. It's a male sex slave, you know. It's somebody else that they've captured. Yeah, yeah. So you got to assume now that they're both in it together, kind of thing. Is the realization I was having. That's right. Well, she, as you say, she couldn't in that time have manhandled RJ's body downstairs and pulled his pants down. Because um, he's shackled in manacles, isn't he? Hanging from his wrists, kind of. That's thing. right. So either in it together, or the husband's an enabler. Like you know, he's got a zombie wife, and he's got to feed his zombie wife, kind of thing. Jackson awakens 
Vietnam vet with his soldier's instinct. You know, Tired from his performances. Like, two people are already dead, but he's awake now. <laughs> Jackson finds the old man at the door uh, looking for his wife with a shotgun. But he says oh. it's for gators. He says that the shotgun is for gators. Jackson offers to help. And meanwhile, the old woman is in Max's room. And while Max is sleeping, the old woman pulls the covers aside, strips <laughs> off, <laughs> lays down by Max and strokes her back, leaving bloody handprints. <laughs> this is very, very uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, Maxie somehow wakes up, screams her head off, and forces Pearl, the old lady, to flee the house. Uh, which kind of wakes Bobby Lynn up, or maybe Bobby Lynn was awake already. I don't remember. No, I think that you're right. That does wake Bobby Lynn up. Yeah. Meantime, Jackson is helping uh, Howard, the old guy, to on the false pretenses find his wife. Okay, and he discovers a submerged car in the gator pit, and then Not the old sure man shoots him. Yeah, pretty much just shoots him straight off the jetty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm. I have notes here to say that that was bad acting, but I can't now clearly remember why that was bad acting. <laughs> I, th- I think Jackson, I think Jackson was sort of acting like a porno actor in the porno scenes, convincingly yeah. bad. Convincing but he bad, seemed yeah. also to be acting badly at this point. But yeah, I don't know. He is quite a famous person. Do you know who it is? Isn't he a rapper or something? It, it, it's Kid. Oh, Kid Cootie. Is it is right? Kid Cudi, yeah. 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 And I'm not sure what his real name is. I quite liked him in this film, but I think he did fluff that bit a bit. Uh it didn't it didn't now, Scott Lorraine. Mascudi is his real name. Better known by his stage name, Kid Cudi. Lorraine, meanwhile, has put her hand through a hole in the door to unlatch it. But unfortunately the old man is there, Howard, and he breaks his her fingers with the butt of a gun. <laughs> In a grisly scene. <laughs> Max does a line of coke because she doesn't know she needs it. And Bobby Lynn goes after Jackson. She can't find him. She goes after him. She sees the naked old lady on the jetty. And she goes who to gets trying. She goes yeah. to try to help, doesn't she? And so the old lady pushes her into the water, into the into the alligator pit and uh, Bobby Lynn promptly gets eaten. So, quick ending for Bobby Lynn. So, who's left? There's only Maxine and Lorraine left. Is that right? Lorraine with broken fingers. Yeah, I think they're the only ones. <laughs> so, it doesn't look good for Lorraine, does it? It turns out, I think the old lady is discussing at some point that she doesn't like blondes, so she's not interested in Bobby Lynn. So, that's why she fell her to the... Uh, Negator. It's so. It's also wrong, but not wrong at the same time. Why should you know? If we're gonna have you know, curiously disturbing sexual predators, why can't there be old ladies? You know. Uh-huh. Now, not sure what happens for this situation to come about at this stage. Possibly, I wasn't paying attention. But the next scene I remember is the old man and the old woman are having elder sex on. They're bed. doing elder sex. Yeah. And Max is under the bed while this happens. <laughs> yeah. And while they're distracted, she manages to crawl away. She runs to the van, finds that there's a knife in the tyre, so she can't use it, 
and RJ has been decapitated. So we know that guy in their cellar couldn't have been RJ. There's a glove... Uh, sorry, there's a gun in the glove box. We saw it earlier, actually, didn't we? I think in the gas station or something. So she grabs the, the gun. Is it loaded, though? Because when Howard said, you know, my gun isn't loaded, uh, then... Uh, then uh, Wayne, the, the Stetson guy, said, hey, I've got one in the glove box and it's never loaded too. Don't worry about it, kind of thing. <laughs> I see. Well, Max releases Lorraine from the cellar and Lorraine tries to run out, but she gets shot by Howard with the shotgun and Max hides. You hear Howard trying to drag her body back inside so he can claim self-defence under the castle doctrine. You know, if she was trespassing on the premises, uh, apparently in this state, she can just be killed. Um, but she's not dead. And she she's starves, only half dead, yeah. And the shock gives the old fella a heart attack. <laughs> now, I've heard that you can't get heart attacks from shock. Shock doesn't induce heart attacks. It's a future correction, isn't it? Interesting. Well, Max points the gun at the old lady, whose name, by the way, is Pearl. And Pearl says Max will end up like her. And Max says... Did you note this down, Paul? No. No. Max says, I'm nothing like you. Bit of a trope again, isn't it? You hear that a lot, don't you, in these circumstances? But the gun is empty. Uh Uh-oh. So Pearl grabs the shotgun up. Max dodges. Pearl is blown back out of the door <laughs> by the force of the recoil. Oh, biddy. Comically. Oh, sorry. I just said something about protected characteristics. I shouldn't be ages. Yeah. Clearly okay, she breaks a hip on landing. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you see? Did you see that uh, a Twitch streamer broke her back at Twitch? Oh, please. Oh, no, don't. Tell me why. Terrible. But yes, clearly an old lady being thrown bodily out of a doorway <laughs> down the steps from a shotgun blast is going to have hip breakage problems. She's left begging Maxine for help. Maxine's having none of it and runs over her head with the car. With the truck, yeah. <laughs> the truck, yeah. End of. There's some sort of denouement where it's revealed that Maxine has a backstory in Fundamental Christian Preachers that uh, Howard right. and uh, Pearl have been watching... Uh, religiously on te- on telly, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he calls out his daughter, doesn't he, Maxine? So she's like the wayward daughter of a televangelist preacher. Finally, the police arrive as they did at the beginning of the movie, and they pick up RJ's camera. I guess they're going to find uh, out what happened. So this is like a found footage. Mo- no, it's not a found footage movie, is it? Because no, no, we don't see it from the perspective. No, no, they'd just be seeing a porno of the. The, the yeah. parts of a porno movie that he's been filming. Paul, mm. uh, first of all, interestingly, this mm. film was filmed simultaneously with a prequel, which was la- um, launched, no, um, which was published, I think, at a similar time, called Pearl, which focuses no way. on the old lady. Well, you told it's- me this. I guess we're going to have to watch it, aren't we? Well, maybe we are, yeah. I don't know whether it's the old lady when she's old or the old lady oh, when she's young. When she's Mae West, yeah. yeah. Second point, Paul. Yeah. Who is the actress playing Pearl? 
The actress playing Pearl is, I don't know, is it somebody famous? It's the actress playing Maxine. Mia it's not. <laughs> now, how does that make how does that make the film a bit different? That hits differently now, doesn't that it? That does hit differently now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But so obviously when she says, you know, that we're alike kind of thing. That's a very knowing it's line in the film when yeah. you realise that. I wasn't sure though what it really means. Why why are they the same person? What is it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I mean I can speculate, but it's interesting, isn't it? I mean it, it, it could all be one long treatise on how women are viewed and objectified, sanctified and vilified. Vilified for having of, sexual desires, you know. And, it, and sanctified and desired as, as Virgin Mary's kind of thing. So it's all yeah. about how, it could all be a discussion about how women's sexuality is not owned by them. You know, and I think that standout comment, you know, the, none of these girls are good girls. It really takes you back to that era when men saw women in a very dichotomous sense. You know, RJ, you know, really can't handle the fact. I thought that was, that was some of the good acting here is, you know, when, when she does, when uh, Lorraine does have sex with, uh, with Jackson, you know, RJ's really uncomfortable reaction to it. Uh, the comments afterwards with Wayne, you know, where th- there's all this stuff about how, how can we view women? Uh, they can only view women, you know, in, in this dichotomous sense. So I don't know if it's all about that. Maybe it is. Filmed in New Zealand, this film as well. Incredibly, yeah. A really good, really good set. Uh, or rather, scenery or landscape. I don't know what you call it. Uh, location. There we go. Thank you, Brain. Uh, and uh, yeah, film in New Zealand. Very atmospheric. I mean, it does. It's supposed to be a modern take on the old psycho biddy genre. The old psycho biddy genre. Yeah, you know, scary old kind of women, often with a vampiric sexual intent. Well, name another film like this. Oh, maybe Suspiria is like that. Is it? Suspiria, you know, definitely has those elements, I think, of creepy, creepy older people kind of thing, yeah. Um, but for me, the biggest influence here was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think. Do you know, I'm Wasn't not it? sure I've seen that. Well, you must have. You'll, you'll have seen one of them, if not the first one. Possibly. It's very I mean, sparse, that... you know. It, it, it isn't, you know, it, it's set out in the middle of nowhere. And it it's tension, sure. like this movie revolves around the fact that the boil is very slow, you know. Things don't really happen and they suddenly happen kind of thing. And it's a very simple story like this. I mean, there isn't much to this one, is it? You know, they turn up a house. Uh, there's indications that they're not welcome. And then they very quickly get killed one by one in more or less imaginative ways. So, oh yeah. Now, the director of this film, Ty West... He did one of the episodes of Tales from the Loop, the TV series we quite enjoyed back. I really enjoyed that, yeah. Series one. Only one episode, though. Uh, and I think, by the looks of it, they're filming... Yeah, they're filming another... They're filming a sequel called Maxine with Triple X, <laughs> which Whoa. focuses on Max and what she does after this. Well, they've so, got fourteen million dollars to spend, you know. After this one, so why not? 
uh, it seems like Pearl was more highly regarded than this film as well. So maybe we really should put it on the list. But there again, you probably don't want to do another another horror movie, and we shouldn't be discussing our next film until we have given scores for X. Right. Right. So yeah, uh, where do we start? We start with plot, don't we? Uh, unidirectional, <laughs> linear, uh, not that much to say about it at all. Uh, in terms of uh, plot, I guess there are a couple of twists, though, aren't there? There are some there twists. There are a couple of twists. You don't but see they, it all. They're come. mostly physical twists, aren't they? If you're like, you know, action twists rather than, rather than how we've come to understand the characters in the movie kind of twist. Yeah, there's no real psychological turns here, are there? Twists and turns. Uh, so it, it is a linear plot and, uh, it evolves. As you'd expect. I mean, uh, I think what did work in terms of plot was the backstories. You know, I, I did find Kid Cudi uh, rather convincing as the Vietnam vet, you know. Uh, and uh, I thought Maxine, you know, uh, kind of trying to make a fortune, desperately eager to do so, uh, kind of outside the gaze of conventional society. It kind of all made sense. So the way the, the vortex that dragged them into this industry kind of gave that sense of inescapability to their fate. And I thought that added to, added to the feel of the movie. So I'm going to give it six, a generous six for plot. I didn't see it coming in many ways. But at the same time, it, what it does is it achieves a creepiness around some of the set pieces not really sure what the point of it was and i don't really understand her motive pearl's motivations right why was she doing this just a psycho crazy person she's just bonkers she's been living on a farm without sex for 40 years it seems so is that what it does to you wow so is that believable i don't know is that enough to hang this entire story on why does he cover for her we have to say there is no hint of uh, paranormal here or you know anything like that super absolutely not for that, yeah. I think a six is fair, then. Yeah. Let's go six. Yeah, I was generally convinced by the acting here. You Paul, know, you I had no all... idea that Pearl was being played by the same woman. I didn't, no. And that's kind of up my score, actually. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we did get a creepy psycho biddy, okay. Um, and generally, I, I was convinced by the portrayal of people involved in the porn and the exotic dancing industry. Uh, what was that movie about the male... Magic Mike, was it? You know, about male exotic dancers. Kind of a Chippendale take. Uh, yeah, so that... That kind of life where you don't necessarily have to play by society's rules. But at the same time, I guess you kind of feel out on edge and, and somewhat vulnerable and alone. Uh, I thought all that came through. Uh, so for me, the characterization and the portrayals were... Fairly strong. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Yeah, Mia Goth does a blinder here. And uh, so, yeah, it's all generally pretty strong. I'll give it a 7 for acting. Yeah. You know, if only if only Wayne had not cheaped out on a, a, a location for his porno movie. <laughs> if he did it in the studio, none of this would have happened, would it? Exactly. Uh, so we've done acting and we've done plot. What horror, I suppose. It, we've got to do the scare factor, the fear factor. 
I mean, this is a homage to horror, wasn't it? So I'm not sure it was supposed to be directly horrorful. Uh, although it was gory. It it's was pretty unpleasant. gory, yeah. Uh, and it did make me squirm. You know, the, the you know, rather like Suspiria, the classic... Uh, yeah. I've forgotten the yeah. word for the, the, Italian, that type of Italian Jello. horror. Jello. You know, it, it was it was gruesome, you know, sort of stakes in eyeballs, squelchiness and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> that stakes. irked me. Oh, you prongs in eyeballs, yeah. Prongs in eyeballs, sorry. That irked me and disturbed me, obviously in a good way, because you're there to be entertained by the horror. So I'm going to give it an eight for horror. It did put me willies up me yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was a decent horror, wasn't it? I'll give it a seven again for uh-huh. the, the fear factor. You don't scare like I do. It was an eight for me. Okay. Uh, finally, pontasticness. You know, did Sexiness, we get yeah uh, sextastic, pontastic kind of funky musicness? Uh, did it evoke that era, and did it evoke it in a convincing way? And did we get any good sex scenes? Not really. I don't know. As I say, I, I... But it wasn't trying to do that, but it would have been nice if some no. of that was for free. I, I, I thought it did a... As I say, I thought it was quite a sex-positive take on the girls doing it and the industry. Maybe that's not a very accurate take. I don't know, but... Uh, it, there is exploitation in the industry. Of course but there that's, is, but not everyone that's necessarily. Sep- exactly, but that's separate to whether women should feel... That they can uh, do it if they want to. Yeah, and enabled or embarrassed, enabled or otherwise embarrassed to take part in that industry. And that's a different issue, isn't it? So I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah. Both the lead porn actresses seemed to enjoy what they were doing, genuinely. And so much so that even Lorraine was convinced to have a go. So, so <laughs> for, for that. And also, you know, they're making a quite, a, they're making in 1979, they were making an interracial sex movie. I don't know whether that was as common as it is these days. <laughs> It was probably difficult to tell. There was no like Pornhub rankings, were there, in, in, in 1979? No. But uh, progressive, I'd say. So I'll give it, uh, I'll give it a, a seven for its sexiness. Yeah, for its uh, pontasticity, I'm going to give it a. Yeah, I'm going to give it a six point five. Okay. So, overalls then. Overall, for me, it's a seven. It's a definite recommend. I really enjoyed it. Okay, it's a nice short movie. It doesn't drag. Uh, it is full of jump scares and uh, a few little sort of uh, physical kind of momentary twists and uh, surprises. So yeah, it's a great. It's a great watch. It's not deep in any sense. I don't think, unless you want to think about if there's... It's X, but I can't give it a ten. I will give it instead. I'll give it a seven also. Whoa. Well, we're I mean, agreeing far too often, Rich. It, it's better than average, isn't it? It is better than average, yeah. yeah. It's a good movie. One to watch with your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and what shall we watch next week, Paul? Well, it's funny you should say that. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, we're kind of talking about... Here, we're talking about the porn industry... In the 19, late 1970s, moving on into the early 80s, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking, why don't we jump forward a little bit to the online porn world, or rather, the online world of camera girls. Oh, you're bringing it bang up to date, if you'll forgive me. Bang up to date, yeah. yeah. 
bang up to date, if you'll forgive me. So if you've ever hopped onto those sites where you might be consuming something of a pornographic nature, you would, of course, be bombarded with suggestions to watch these or those girls live. Okay. I don't know what you mean, Paul. You'll have to explain it all to me next week. So this Uh, is called what again? It is called Cam. Cam. C-A-M, short for camera. This seems very similar to a film we watched back in the lockdown season called Songbird. That was about cam girls, wasn't it? And then there was another one where someone was taking over stuff uh, um, from remotely, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, it's, it's right up our street then. So it's called Cam, and that's what we'll watch for next week. Do join us for episode 15 of Series 3, Drive-By Cinema. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. See you on the next one. Ciao for now. Bye. Ciao for now. Thank you.